HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Kitchens Confidential, helping restaurants strive and thrive in a takeout-driven market. This week's Meet and 3 is all about food branding and identity in 2020. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Everybody has some Goya product in their pantry, so... Obviously, the biggest kind of loss from all of this is the students really working with a brand that they're very comfortable with, that they're very familiar with. I'll be honest, I was completely floored. I was very surprised that a company, especially in the current climate, would backtrack out of a commitment to address issues of racism. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Life is a Banquet, a show where we rebroadcast old episodes occasionally that we think you need to hear again. Um, hey folks, today we are um, re-releasing an awesome episode we had um, that we recorded a couple months ago with actor, writer, comedian, friend of the show, Dan Adut. Um Dan, welcome back. You're not here, so I'll speak for you. It's amazing to be here, Zara. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Um, So Dan has a great podcast, which we chat about on the show. Um, It's called Green Eggs and Dan. And he peeks into different people's refrigerators. I say refrigerators because I'm from Long Island. To people's refrigerators. And... uh, ask them what they've got going on in there and then they talk about food and there's some super interesting people on this season's um list of shows so he talks to folks like phil rosenthal uh padma lakshmi eric andre nicole bear so definitely check it out give it a listen and enjoy listening again if you have already to this episode with dan um, you can follow him on Instagram at standupdan. And yeah, I hope that everyone's hanging in there. This is a wild time to be live, but uh, that's why we need to listen to funny things. It's very important for your health, folks. Um, okay, so take two of these and call us next week. Um, that's it. Hasta la past. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about all things edible, spreadable, and pourable that answers the question, 
What is the meaning of life? With your hosts, Zara Tangora and Nicole Bailey. And today we are joined by a special guest, um, Dan. Dan, Dan Adu. Oh, Dan I didn't know we introduced ourselves. Sorry. <laughs> well, Hi. This show, this show is full <laughs> of surprises. This is just the first of many surprises. Also, a special guest today, Kevin Costner, joining us from Hollywood, California. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Guys, nice to have you, Dan. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm, I'm a big fan of the show. I've always walked by the podcast studio in Roberta's and wondered what happens in there. Oh. And now I know. <laughs> well, a lot of bullshit um, during this show. Usually you can see exactly what happens in there because huge window. <laughs> yeah, see right that's in there. true. Well, usually it's people taking food very seriously, talking about policy, about environmental issues, and then one hour per week, there's two crazy old ladies talking about, like, dicks and Satan and all kinds of stuff that doesn't really have to do with food. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. That's Making us. it work. Yeah. So, what are you... You're in New York now. You live in L.A. usually? Yes, I live in L.A. usually. I'm in New York. I'm in... I'm on a strict two-week quarantine in a hotel in the parking lot of the Roosevelt Field Mall in Garden City. Oh, oh. shit. You hit up is that, that cheesecake New factory? Jersey? <laughs> that is in uh, Long Island. It's in the middle Long of Long Island. Long Island. Yeah. yeah. It's, be- um, it's beautiful there this time of year. Which is the Jersey, which is the Jersey of New York, sure. Long Island. So. Yeah. Well, I, I take offense to that. I'm from Long yeah. Island, so how dare you? As am I. Where are you what? from? <laughs> I am from Northport. Oh, that Northport's beautiful. I'm from Great Neck. Oh, Great Neck. That's where uh, America's Sweetheart Paul Newman is from. That's Ever where who's from? Him? Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Yeah. Like like the uh, like the dressing. Oh yeah. Is the there dr- another the... Paul Newman? <laughs> I think that's all he's known for is his salad dressing. The, the yeah. salad dressing guy. World famous salad dressing. Julia Child loves it. <laughs> uh, we did an episode about Paul Newman and Robert Redford and Nicole illuminated us the fact that Paul Newman started making that dressing in his bathtub. Get out of here. Yeah. Well, not like his bathtub. It's like a bathtub. Oh, a stranger's bathtub? No, like a bathtub that he just happened to have in his large barn. Oh, right. Well, it's, it started in a tub, and that's enough for me. So what are you doing? What are you working on out here? Is it top secret, or can you? Can no, you it's a new show on Netflix. It's called The Crew. It's uh, Kevin James's new sitcom, and... Uh, it's uh, about a NASCAR pit crew. So <laughs> I'm sure a lot of your listeners are NASCAR viewers. And yes. this is perfect cross-promotion. Well, yeah. I'm from Indiana, so I have a healthy respect for NASCAR. So Oh, really? That's pretty I've cool. just gotten into it. I've n- I never really watched anything. And then the first race I watched was like a month ago. And apparently it was like the most violent race. It's like ever. like cars oh, were crashing every second. Yeah. There was like gas was like spilling out of an overturned car and you thought it was going to light on fire. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is the craziest. I needed to like snort a Xanax afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I actually, that prompted me to talk to my, because the Indy 500 is in Indianapolis, which is close to where I'm from. And so that prompted me to pull out Wikipedia and look at everyone who's ever died in a Indy 500 race. And I went through all of them and asked my dad if he remembered them all. <laughs> <laughs> There was one crazy one where an audience member was hit by a wheel that came off of one of the cars and got killed. Oh, my God. I mean, that's kind of funny, though. I know it is. Not to his family, probably. But it was in the 80s, so we can laugh about it. They probably, yeah, they probably think it's funny now. (laughs) That's like the worst version of, like, catching, like, a baseball at a game. 
You know, yes, like you're that going is to the worst version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, everyone's pushing each other over. Like, I got the wheel. And then, mm-hmm. sorry to the family of that person. I'm yeah. Sure yeah. That our, our friends of the pod, the family of that guy. Thoughts and prayers. Amazing. And prayers. So what do you do? You have to stay in your room all day while you're there? I'm losing my fucking mind. Wow. Like, we're not allowed to leave. I'm not allowed to leave the door of the room. Like, I can't <gasps> leave. Weird. Oh, you no. Have, like, looks like you have a nice little microwave in there, so that seems fun. I do have a microwave. <laughs> I have a bunch of fun food that I bought that I've been cooking. Uh, How I've did got... you buy it? Oh, um, shit, you left uh, the room. Oh, no, <laughs> I gotta fired. go. I gotta go. Instacart, yo. Oh, what do you got? What do you got? Controversial. I got a lot of good stuff. Um, I got, actually, I got a fun care package. A couple of very fun care packages. Hold on, I'm going to bring them over. Yes, please. Please do. Can you imagine being stuck in a hotel room for two weeks? I would be. I like hotel rooms. You can watch Forensic Files. Maybe you guys should switch places then and you can can quarantine and be on a Netflix show. And and Dan can be in your apartment. What What do you got? Where's the apartment? In Brooklyn. Where in Brooklyn? Uh, Bed-Stuy. Bed-Stuy? Ever heard of it? <laughs> Such a cunt. The it's worst. Kinda... Um, I've heard of Bedford-Stuyvesant. Bed-Stuy, which is Bedford-Stuyvesant. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it yeah. because you, I don't know if you know, you said the Indy 500, which is in Indianapolis. Not yeah, we knows, know what like... the We know what the Indy means, okay? okay it could mean like independent, <laughs> the independent 500. When it's Indy no. movies, they're not all filmed in Indianapolis, okay? <laughs> you need to calm down. It's, the, it's not the Indy Rock 500. <laughs> okay, I have my friend Kulab, who is uh, Lao, Laotian, Laotian. Mm-hmm. She's from Laotian. Lao. Okay. Laotian. She sent me um, a Southeast Asian care package. Cool, of cool. All these Thai snacks. Thai Yum. snack food. Ooh, so snackaroos. This is Thai fish on a stick. That's Cute. like oh, yeah. a little candy. That's Have you gotten in there yet in that, that fish stick? I haven't tried the fish sticks. Ooh. Should we do that? Wait, what was Should that thing you that? just showed us? Yeah, let's check it out. Um, this is that, whatever. I don't know what that is. Oh, Potato that looks sticks? like. That looks, that looks like, like potato sticks, dude. That's what you got there. Looks like a potato stick. Hot fries. This looks like a lychee something or other. Ooh, gummy candy. Oh. Candy. All right. Like a gummy lychee. It's a very yeah. fun, very fun little care package she sent me. That's so nice of her. What a I kind know. thing to do. And what are you doing for like actual sustenance? Like, what are you like? What's a what's a lunch look like for you, Dan? <laughs> can I tell you something? Can I tell you? Can Please. I tell you what I what I like? Lately. Yes. Yes. This is gonna make me sound pretentious. It's okay. gonna make oh. me sound. Very You're in New York. Welcome. I'm gonna. I'm, <laughs> hey, when in when in Garden City. Um, <laughs> I like expensive tuna. Like oh, good sure. tuna. Yeah. And I've yeah, been like- nerding out on it on it for a little bit. And hold on, I'm gonna show you my tuna. Hold on. Okay. I'm gonna bet it's Ortiz. Probably. No. Which is my favorite. It is not Ortiz. It is cheaper than Ortiz, but just as good, if not better. Tonino. Oh, oh yeah, that stuff's good. Yeah, it's good. That's good tuna. Uh, hold on, you don't think that it's that good, though. You're like, no, it's good. Yeah, no tuna. No, it's good. No, I, I buy it. I'm, I don't like to spend $50 on a can of It's tuna. not that expensive. It's like nine bucks. That's it's a lot. It's worth it, nine though. bucks, which is kind of expensive. It's obviously expensive, but it's like, 
Listen, I haven't gone to a fucking restaurant in six no, months. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, I dude. just bought a fancy tuna the other day, and I was like, I deserve this. Yeah, God, you got to treat I yourself. Made a, I made a white puttanesca. It was delish. Oh, shit. A white puttanesca? Yeah, yeah girl. It was like one. a recipe from the New York Times from like Part. 1999. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a year. That was a year that white puttanesca was really... In the All style the of white of a white prostitute. Mm. <laughs> sex worker. I'm a white sex worker. White so prostitute. in talking about uh, white sex workers and food trends, should we get into our topic today? Oh, yeah. Which is um, basically, ha- like, I guess the best way to describe it, I thought, was like has-beens. Like forgotten food trends, things that everyone thought was mad chill for a minute, and then now we laugh at them hysterically. Yeah, that That's sort of fits in with what I did. I kind of just took that and went my own way. Oh, that's not has anything to do with what we were going to talk about, which is, okay. you know, I had to keep you on your feet. I'm just kidding. Um, but mine is what basically what early Americans were eating. Um, they didn't really have trends back then because they're too busy, like, homesteading and, like, owning slaves and stuff. So this is just kind of like what they were eating in yeah. the olden times. Sure. Of America. Okay. How old are we talking, though? You know, it varies. It goes. Some of it goes back to the 16th century, but mostly we're talking about like 17th, uh, 18th century. Okay. Oh, wow. Cool. Is that okay with you guys? Because if it is yeah. not, then I'm just gonna leave. No, it's fine. <laughs> no. I'm thinking pesto. <laughs> is that correct? Uh, capers. No. no, no, no. Okay. <clears throat> um, all right. So this is all from the SmithsonianMagazine.com, an article by Lee Zhu, which is actually about a book called The American Plate by Libby O'Connell. And I want to start off by telling you guys about something called Old Eel Pie. Yeah. <laughs> it was, mm. was, <laughs> it was a popular... Mm, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's really funny that it's called Old Eel Pie <laughs> instead of just... Right. Eel pie. But, right um, now we should call it old eel pie. Then it right. was just right. current eel pie. Like now old. it's like now it's old old eel pie. <laughs> Real old eel pie. Um, <laughs> according to this article, early Americans loved eel so much that they used to use lobsters as bait to catch the eels. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. That's and great. then. Yeah, and it's something that people still eat. You know, early Americans, a lot of them were British. Um, and so this is something that people, some people will, you can still find an eel pie in England somewhere. But it's like a pot pie with eels in it, I'm pretty sure. Um, and as is a trend with this entire list, they eventually sort of stopped eating it and fell out of popularity because they ate them all. They just like ate all of the eels that were available right. in the waters around here. Mm. And they're like, whoa, what do we do now? It was like the rock eating all the cod out of the ocean, but with yeah. eels. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, the next thing that was super popular um, was roast beaver tail. Mm. Um, this was something <laughs> that travelers in the wild, I imagine like Lewis and Clark or Johnny Appleseed. I just made those names up. I don't know if they actually <laughs> ate this or not, but they were like wandering around. So they thought this is like what they would eat. Isn't one of those um, like a children's book or something? <laughs> Yeah, well, people that were out. You know, in the I wild. think Jack and the Beanstalk was eating this. <laughs> no, these are just fictional names that I made up. I don't; they're not real. I've never heard them before. Um, they needed food that was high in calories and fat because they're like wandering around. Um, and the woman who wrote the book said that the taste of beaver tail cooked over an open flame is similar to pork rinds, which I think is confusing. But yes. that's what she said. So. I guess it was crunchy. I don't know. 
I was thinking it was fatty and soft. Yeah, like I would think it's belly. fatty and oily and. I guess mm. if you're cooking it over an open flame, like it pretty much cooks pretty fast. I oh, don't know. I'm sorry, I didn't realize you said flame broiled beaver tail. Of course. Yeah, the Christy. home of the Whopper, like flame broiled. <laughs> Um, so uh, this da, da, dish, da, 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 da. I'm vomiting. <laughs> good, that was good. Um, it's like a dash of real comedy in here. Um, this dish was popular and in cookbooks through the 1940s, but they kind of fell out of popularity when we ate all the fucking beavers. All the beavers <laughs> were being caught and skinned for like those cute hats, but also people were eating them, so they like almost went extinct. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Um, Also, this woman said that, you know, it's not really practical for people to eat beaver tails present day because they're really hard to clean and we don't really need that much fat and calories since we sit around all the time. So she said, modern Americans usually reach for something more convenient like Oreos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The beaver tail was actually just a gateway drug for the Oreos. There was the, the Oreos of the 1700s. Just uh, the those are the old, milk. old Oreos. The old Oreos. Uh, okay, next up on my list is something called Perry. Um, Whoa. This is, boringly, this is just a pear cider. So oh. early Americans, according to this article sucked at making beer so since cider was super easy to make they're like we're just gonna do this um and so pear cider was really popular drink for people to get wasted on um and then i really like this sentence that she wrote about it perry met its demise when german immigrants introduced loggers to america (laughs) oh interesting so then Um, yeah pear cider met its demise because of beer you know, actually, uh, apple cider or apple cider, cider ciders were like way more popular than beer was as well. And I think after Prohibition is when it stopped. But there was like, like New York apparently had like more orchards than anywhere else in the country. Yeah, and like yeah. All the ciders were being made here. And now, like as of recently, it's like a new trend that's like they're starting to make cider a lot again. And actually, yeah. the Brooklyn Cider Company in Brooklyn, New York, which is close in, which is Bedford-Stuyvesant oh, is within. Shit. <laughs> um, uh, they right. make some of my favorite ciders. Like, they make, they make um, insanely amazing non-sweet. Like, they're very, like, kind of yeah. Basque-style yeah, ciders. Yeah, cider is definitely having a resurgence. Not pear cider as much, though. Our Lo friend, Siento, Perry, Matthew Our Perry. friend but, owns a cidery. Yeah, What's my friend has a cidery called Greenpoint Cidery. And a lot of people are taking over abandoned orchards and they have like all these like vintage weird apples growing there in the wild it's pretty cool whoa there is a there is a place in Ithaca that's making pear cider that are really delicious and very expensive and I like expensive tuna and I like expensive cider (laughs) have you ever had them together though you love you love perry and tuna for lunch just a little perry tuna you love it yeah um okay moving on the next thing is sass Sassafras. This mm. is Sassafras. <laughs> this is a charming insult that you could lobby at someone, or it's a leafy spice. And at one time, it was the second most valuable export in Virginia, behind tobacco. Wow. Um, they the reason why it was so popular is because they would dry it and use it as a cure for syphilis. <laughs> of course. Uh-huh. But then they found out that it didn't work. Um, mm. 
and the bottom kind of fell out of the industry, but it was still used for root beer and sarsaparilla until they found out that the oil created from the spice causes cancer. So um, they had to kind of use an alternative or a smaller amount so you don't die from it. Oh my God, do you... I like root beer and I'm scared that I'm going to die of cancer now because of root beer. Yeah, that's probably how you're going to die. Do you, <laughs> did you grow up? Or the syphilis, because it or... won't do anything about the syphilis. <laughs> that's true. Exactly. But you um, can live with syphilis for so long. I didn't know that. Dan, did you ever go growing up to the old Bethpage Restoration Village? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Uh, they, that's where I first had sarsaparilla or like sassafras. And I remember we went there on a class trip once and one of the little kids like sipped it, like one of my friends, and immediately vomited <laughs> on one of the uh, restoration people, like one of the old timey characters. It's a, It really stuck out in my mind. That's funny. Wow. That place is fucking weird. Do they it dress is. up in old timey outfits and like churn butter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, yeah, we have that in Indiana too. Yeah. Uh, in Indy? In yeah. In Indy. No, Indiana. Cool. It's you know a weird thing weird, to do. There was another weird old trend from back in the 1800s. People <laughs> in New York especially loved uh, buffalo tongue. Just the tongue. Just, huh. They threw the rest of the buffalo away? Yeah, so that's like a big mm. reason. So it was a big reason that A, the American buffalo like basically went extinct, almost went extinct. And yeah. B, all of like the Native American tribes like lost their main source of sustenance because they would have like one buffalo to feed everyone for like a month. Yeah. And so people from the east were going and killing all these buffalo and just ripping out the tongue and leaving the rest of it to basically go bad. Um, well, that's crazy. Wasn't anyone curious about, like, if we like the tongue so much, shouldn't we see what the rest of this fucking thing's about? No. That's well, it. They, they were, just, they were killing not... them in such large numbers, they couldn't use all the meat. Wow. They were using yeah. them, They were killing them because they were also competing with livestock for grass to eat. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were both such buffalo experts yeah well learn about your american history zara (laughs) yeah seriously okay bye i'll start now you guys finish this up on your own Um, okay moving on i'm going to talk to you now about (laughs) something called colonial syllabub which is a fucking boozy milkshake from the 1700s (laughs) whoa um so they didn't have wine in early america because they couldn't figure out how to grow it uh, with the climate, and so they had if they, what wine they did have was imported, and so they had to make it last. So they made something called a colonial syllabub, which is a milkshake like drink that is whipped cream, sugar, and wine mixed together. Um, yes. and then mm. you drink it. <laughs> um, yum. Sometimes you would use brandy, which then that seems better to me because then we're almost like in an eggnog area. That's like a Brandy Alexander or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My favorite drink. (laughs) Your favorite. You always order that at the bar in the summertime. I can't get down with booze and booze and milk, I think is a weird combo. No. Yeah. I mean, I drink a white Russian once every three years, but boozy milkshakes to me are an abomination. So you do white Russians and you do white Putinesca. Is there something you want to tell us about (laughs) your little secret white nationalist proclivities when it comes to food and drink? And I like NASCAR. This is not looking good. (laughs) Uh, No, I like other stuff like brown derby. (laughs) (laughs) What are you drinking? Orange wine? 
No, this is pink sparkling wine. Okay. I was trying to help uh, you out with another Oh, yeah, it's not white wine. Like. No, sir. Not white wine. Okay, my, last, my final oh, entry in here yeah. um, is turtles. So people, you know, turtles popular in France and other places um, was actually very popular in the United States in the 1800s. People would have giant turtle roasting parties along the East River. So they would catch the turtles and have a big roasting party. Uh, and it was like big deal. Everyone was super into it. And then they stopped because they ate all the fucking turtles. God damn! There was no, was nothing sustainable back in the. Well, Amer- it's the classic American, right? They're like, let's get all of them out of the river as soon as possible and not worry about the consequences. They only ate the tongues. Wow. Um, there's turtle carcasses yeah. everywhere. You know, wow. there's there's a great restaurant uh, that Jose Andres has in D.C. called America Eats, where okay. he basically, him and his chefs went and like, and went to the Smithsonian and found all these old school American recipes. And they cool. basically just serve you all these dishes that, and it has like a fun little story. Like, it's kind of kitschy, but I kind of love it. Like, no, that sounds it cool. Was like, yeah, it was like... Um, I don't know. There was something that was like a pickled oyster, and it was like in New York, people love to have pickled oysters as oh. a as like a you know with their <laughs> drinks. And you're like, yeah. okay, Jose. Yeah. Thank you. You're like, yes, way, Jose. I love yes having a pickled Jose. oyster. Thank you very much. Jose Andreas is also just what a what a man. What, what a, a man. What a guy. Something, he must have killed somebody or done something wrong oh. with it. He's just, he, he, no one can just be that good. He's making up for something. Let's start that rumor here. Jose Andreas, <laughs> you heard it here first, is a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Netflix star. Damn. Yeah. He's, he's the one who killed all the fucking turtles. That was oh, Jose yeah. Andres. Get that guy. Yeah. Turtle murderer at large, Jose Andres, wanted uh, in all 50 states. The great he is a turtle master. He's a turtle. Yeah. Yeah. That's Turterer. funny. Uh, Turtle, a turtle, a turtler. Yes, that's what they're called. A turd alert. It sounds like you guys are saying turd alert. (laughs) No, we're trying to say turtle murderer in one word, and it's not working whatsoever. I just be like turd alert, Jose, Andre, whatever the hell his name is. (laughs) Yeah, turtle alert's a great way to like say when you see an upcoming like fucking douchey guy walk up to you at a bar just like yeah. turtle alert yeah right like if your phone up went off like it's an amber alert but it's a turtle <laughs> alert like he's yeah. in the vicinity he just got into the bar yeah <laughs> or a shark alert or a kevin costner alert as what i said before because i'm obviously obsessed with kevin costner mm-hmm. but uh clearly be- before you got on to the joined us on the show we we're talking about sharktivity the shark locator and then i said it would be cool if we had an app that told us where kevin costner was at all times so just putting that out there just catching mm. you up with what you missed yeah so then i said <laughs> <laughs> nicole are you done do you have any 1800s food trends left for us no, oh, I just want to say that um, in my favorite non-story type of way of doing things, I was going to talk about the Gilded Age, but actually it was pretty boring. It, this one thing stuck out to me. There was this dude who had this huge elaborate dinner where everyone ate on horseback. Was it uh, The Great Gatsby? <laughs> no. Uh, and every horse had its own bag of oats, and it cost $55,000 in the 1800s, which is like $40 billion in today's money, so... <laughs> That's I just awesome. like eating on horseback. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's it's very impractical, I guess we could say, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. All right, let's take a fucking break. Chill. And uh, have a word from our sponsors. Big Turtle. Mm-hmm. Big Turtle. We're sponsored by Big Turtle and also syphilis medication that works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. 
This episode is brought to you by Kitchens Confidential, helping restaurants strive and thrive in a takeout-driven market. Whether you're a restaurant with a single location, a food truck, or a chef looking to expand, Kitchens Confidential can help you get your delivery and pick-up-only kitchen up and running in a matter of days. They provide turnkey kitchen space, a state-of-the-art experience hub for pickup orders, and they'll even help you manage and streamline your back office functions using their proprietary technology platform, so you can focus on what you love the most, making great food. Kitchens Confidential, to go crafted. Learn more at kitchensconfidential.com. And we're back. Welcome back. Those were riveting ads, guys. Buy all the things. Please support the sponsors that we Mm -hmm. love so much. Dan, sup? You have a story for us today, or you're going to talk about some food trends that are a little dated? Yes. I would love to talk about some food trends that have gone by the wayside for good reason and gone by the wayside for bad reason. Oh, okay. It's gonna be an well, emotional roller coaster. There's some. I'm making it. There's some things that I want to bring back, and I just mm. feel like they left us too soon. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like the should, memoriam thing they do at yeah. the Oscars. Yeah, you <laughs> exactly. should do like the "Gone Too Soon" should be the the title <laughs> of that section. I'd like to start, if I may, with fondue. I yeah. love fondue. Fondue's fun. It's in the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it is so there's funny there's I don't know I've never had a fondue and been like man this sucks I don't know why fondue I, I know it's annoying to prepare but it's mm. a very fun thing whether it's a cheese fondue with the bread or whether it's the beef broth fondue with the pieces of filet it's a delightful little fun party thing I don't know why why it's, it's not interactive that. yeah what it's about chocolate fondue though how do you feel about that Dan I don't know. I feel like chocolate fondue is actually an American invention. I don't think it's an actual Swiss invention. And okay. I think that the Americans are going to do it until they there's no run more chocolate of- to be had. They <laughs> run out of chocolate. Okay, so you don't like it. Got it. I think, I that we moved, I think, I think we've moved on to chocolate fountains now. That's the big thing that's happening in America I've, today. Yeah, I don't need it. Although it's funny, if you if, sticking with Switzerland, if you go to Switzerland, they have something called fondue chinoise, which is basically a like hibachi they bring to the table and you just grill your own meats which the chinese don't have something like that koreans do japanese people do mm. not chinese but they just call it fondue chinoise because i think they're racist and they're yeah, like hey, sure, the chinese. sure sure yeah, yeah. totally <clears throat> but anyway funny. i love fondue i do think that um it needs to come back yeah Great. i have we'll a vintage have fondue set that's very cute and that i've never used I have the exact same problem, Nicole. I have a, also have a vintage fondue set that's just collecting dust. Dan, do you have a vintage fondue set? No, I don't. I would never do fondue. This oh, reminds but... me, though, of that, that there's an episode of Sex in the City where Carrie, like, cooks for Big. and dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Meanwhile, the broth was cooking in the fondue. <laughs> she, it's clearly cheese fondue, and it's apparently so disgusting they have to go out for dinner. But, like, what could she have done to cheese fondue to make it, uh, like, not edible? I just don't. I've always wondered that. Hmm. You guys know? Well, it could have been maybe she I think the fondue for cheese fondue is a pretty uh it's like a funky cheese. So oh, maybe okay. it was just like this doesn't taste like Belveda. Uh, sure. <laughs> Let's go to Tao instead, big. Yeah. That's wow, you love the show. You did a perfect perfect impersonation of Carrie. Oh my god, can I tell you something? I don't do good impressions, but one I do the the only impression that I have that's great 
is um, Steve uh, Miranda's boyfriend. <laughs> oh Yay. my god, we were just talking about Steve. Can you can you do it? Are you ready? This is the literally the only my vocal cords have only been blessed to be able to do this one impression. <laughs> I can't oh wait. I can't wait. Okay, ready? Oh, come on, Miranda. It's not that big of a deal. Miranda, you're killing me over here. Come on, Miranda, why? I'm dying over here. Oh, that's, that's good. Oh, I perished. That's, that's amazing. And you look just like him when you do it, too, but not yeah. normally. Wow. But you really you took know, us there. I brought my feelings to this podcast, and <laughs> you, just, you, that's just, good. you just Steve? Grilled, them, grilled them over uh, the coals like a beaver tail. <laughs> That was a good impression. I, I enjoyed Thank it you. thoroughly. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, I love fondue. The other thing I love that I think needs to come back, sun-dried tomatoes. Wow, that is an unpopular opinion, I think, sir. You know why? I'll tell you why. Here's the thing. The sun-dried tomato suffered the same fate as the fucking turtle in America. <laughs> sun-dried oh. tomato. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to link it all back. Please, please. Well, sun-dried okay. tomatoes are a staple of the southern Italian diet. They always have been. And the way they do it is these grandmas get their fucking tomatoes. They go to the roof and Mm -hmm. they let them dry by the sun. And they're these beautiful, you know, tomatoes that are by some fucking volcano and are probably delicious. And they have a very powerful, amazing flavor. Americans Mm -hmm. started falling in love with sun-dried tomatoes. But the Italian grandmas weren't churning up enough of them. Right. So right. people started to just take shit tomatoes in America, put them in a dehydrator, and mm-hmm. sell those as sun-dried tomatoes. And they were right. like, oh, these kind of suck. And then they went by the wayside. But if you get good sun-dried tomatoes, expensive ones, like tuna Expensive, ported <laughs> sun-dried tomatoes need to make a comeback. That's great. <laughs> no, they're good. And I'm going to do one better on the sun-dried tomato. Now, I also like sun-dried tomatoes. But when they're bad, I mean they're... Yeah. Truly outrageous. Yeah. But um, when they're <laughs> good, I, yeah, a travesty, a wow. crime against tomatoes. Okay. Um, but I've had recently been put onto the sun dried pepper. Oh yeah, those are really good. That shit's good. Have you had those? No, I haven't. <laughs> you got to oh, get a sun dried pepper. They're so good. Yeah. Wow. We'll, we'll have our people send you some. Go to the specialty <laughs> grocery store that you exclusively shop at, apparently, and they should have them there. <laughs> <laughs> they have them at like most like Italians but like if you go to like a good like neighborhood Italian specialty store you can get them and they're very delicious they're very supple unlike how sometimes the sun-dried tomato can be as chewy, chewy as let's say a overcooked beaver tail yes exactly yeah. that's pepper, right bordering you don't on gotta tell me twice chef's kiss <laughs> I'm with you um, alright so sun-dried tomatoes alright fine Fancy sun-dried tomatoes. There's a couple things that are on trend now that I think need to go by the wayside. Okay, what? Preach. I'm I'm done with burrata. I don't need burrata anymore. I don't need it it anymore? Everyone's got fucking burrata and everything, and I get it, and I don't need it anymore. (laughs) I feel you. Here's the thing how I feel about burrata. Burrata's delicious if it's, like, a nice burrata. However, it's almost like liking, like, Arcade Fire or something where, yeah. like, it's good, but if you, like, do it in public, it's kind of cheesy. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, having yeah. burrata on menu now is a little bit, like, corny, yeah. but it's, like, <laughs> delicious. But it's – I did a consulting job at this, like, really shitty place in Murray Hill because I'm a, I'm a chef. I don't have a restaurant anymore. I used to own a restaurant, but um, now I'm a consultant. Uh-huh. And so I was doing a menu for this, like, really dumpy place in Murray Hill, and they had burrata, and they were frying it and covering it in truffle oil. And then what? I knew that burrata had jumped the shark. Officially, it was over then. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I also, I don't need burrata either. I think it's a lot. I think regular old 
balls of cheese are fine without liquid stuff coming out of it flying in my face. You don't need the Stracciatella fountain in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Sure, um, sure. I do like that this is a personal true story about Arcade Fire. Zara feels embarrassed that she still likes Arcade Fire. I'm telling the world. I'm fine with it. I don't give a shit. And I like Brada. So I'll be uh, uh. on the outside. I'll eat Brada and listen to I don't know, Arcade Fire show. Whatever. <laughs> You're just like at a picnic by yourself, blasting Arcade Fire and eating Brada. <laughs> like tons of balls of Brada. Oh, man. I love it. I make like a sandwich in between like a hamburger. But instead of <laughs> buns, it's a burger in between two balls of Brada. What's just so listening messy. to Neon Bible. Fuck yeah, it. Do it. Get in there. I, I like Neon Bible. That's when he sounds like Bruce Springsteen. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So, Barada, you're you're not there for Barada. I'm, an, I'm anti-Barada. I'm, I'm done with Barada. Um, okay, I'm fine. also done with... I mean, I think that this is kind of finally done, but the goat cheese beet fucking walnut, if I see those three ever again together, I'm going to... I'm going to figure out a way to get uh, sassafras and fucking turn it into a gas and give everyone their fucking cancer and a non-cure for syphilis. It's such a specific for... way of you're not going to get away with this crime because no one else would have ever used sassafras gas to kill all the employees of like the chopped that you're, that's the only place where you can find goat cheese and beets out anymore. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Those are, I mean, do you guys have any that I'm missing right now? Oh, uh, what about octopus? Every menu has octopus. I'm done with that. I'm done you with like every it. menu having to have octopus. Yeah, octopus. I, like I don't to... know what it's like to live in California, but here in New York, we're Whoa. not over octopus. I like a grilled, in bed style, a grilled octopus. No octopus. I like that. I'm I cool know with that octopus. Attitude was necessary. You could have just said, oh. I like that. It's, you know, I don't need it. it didn't Hold need on, to let me see if I can do it again. I'm not sure what it's like to live in California. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I just have a bad attitude about the place where um, you live, which is filled with octopus and beet salad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, Are there any things that I think should go? What am I sick of? Um, well, I am drinking this disgusting thing that's like a probiotic seltzer, which I'm <laughs> angry at myself about You buy one of those? They cost so much money. This smells like diarrhea. but um, mm. So I guess I'm over... I guess I'm over... Oh, Nicole also... We went to the beach last week and I got a sunscreen that I didn't realize also had probiotics in it. So I guess I'm against the abuse of probiotics yes. in oh everything. God. They don't yes. even live. If you do anything to treat the food or thing that they're in, like even probiotic, the vitamin, they're not alive in there, man. Sorry to tell you. They're dead. Yeah. They're healthy. We are 100% antibiotic on this show. Yes, totally. we are. You heard yeah. it here first. No biotics. This show no brought biotics. to you by antibiotics. Um, Nicole, is there anything you're over that you want I to just, see get It's out been here? so long that I've eaten at a restaurant that I don't have any like fun, bitchy commentary about food trends like I normally would. So mm. if I think of something, I'll pipe in and interrupt whoever's speaking. <laughs> so yeah. I'm kind of, I'm done. And I think that this is done too. But edamame, I'm over. But edamame walked so that shishito peppers could run. Oh, I feel wow. like I That's feel true. like they, you know, it was, you couldn't have one without the other. I love a shishito pepper, but I'm getting on the tail end of shishito peppers too now. I understand how you feel. I feel like the thing with shishito peppers is they've, they're now become 100% totally basic, but I still really love them because it's so simple, you know? Yeah. But and they're, they're you like can a get them trick. at any restaurant. They probably have them at Applebee's now. Like they're just, they're everywhere. I yeah, also like the, the Russian roulette of it all, where, like, you don't know if this is going to be the spicy one. Yeah, like, is this the one that will actually literally kill me? Um, Nicole, what about uh, avocado chocolate pudding? <laughs> oh, um, 
Did I have a strong opinion about that before? <laughs> well, yeah, because we were talking we were at the beach the other day and, like, talking about becoming vegan. And then we're like, but what about, what you know, you work out your whole vegan diet, you're, like, switching to veganism, and then you're like, but what about, what do I do about pudding? <laughs> Oh, right. My friend, my, my friend was the one. I can't take credit for this joke, but he was like, I can never think about planning like a new diet for myself and then stopping to say, wait, what am I going to do about pudding? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I guess that's the thing. Like avocados, I mean, God bless them, huh? They're delicious. But at the same time, avocado this, avocado that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, go fuck yourself, avocados. I just had some earlier today, but that being said, I only eat them in private. Yeah, While I'm with you on that. I do like the bar. avocado chocolatey stuff, though. It's a very fun texture. Sure, it's, yeah. It's fine. You're going to love our new pudding restaurant, then, uh, Vladimir Pudding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vladimir Pudding. My yes. buddy, I, I, I would love to take credit for this, but my buddy wanted a, he was like, wanted to open up a kosher ramen place called Everybody Loves Ramen. <laughs> that's a good one they could be next door to, we'll open them next door to each other <laughs> oh yeah I had a really good one which was um, a Thai restaurant called that was way harsh Thai that's my my favorite <laughs> thing that I've ever come up with in my life that's, <laughs> that's amazing amazing clueless ref um, oh what yeah else you got? well I guess while we're at it I'm over um, faux like pho faux um, oh. not not the food but the puns with the stores oh no oh, I love the puns you no. like puns? You what? Like which ones have you seen that you hate? Um, I don't know. Faux sure. Oh, um, okay. Faux show. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They can all go folk themselves. <laughs> as far as oh, I'm wow! It sounds like you're opening a new faux place, and you're just trying to get rid of your competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait, I there's one co- in Seattle though called What the Fub, which I think is funny. <laughs> I'll allow it. Also, it's like if you want me to pronounce you fa, give me a you. No, mm. that sounds colonialist. <laughs> no. Well, here's the thing. It's it was translated to English from the Vietnamese. So why didn't they just You're translate right. it with a U? That's a good question. Good. That is a very good question. Deep thoughts. Yeah. What were you gonna say? You had a question. Did you have a? I don't know. I, I I wanted to go to maybe. I don't know if it's time for this transition, but maybe. Okay. This I know. I know. I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this, but I'm gonna say. <laughs> Ninety percent or eighty-five percent of natural wine should all go down the drain. Huh? Huh? That yeah. is okay. Tell us more. So yeah, yeah. Why is that? Okay, I think that I I like the trend of natural wine. Obviously, having less additives and less of fucked with wine is a great thing. I feel like too many people are just taking advantage of. The, of using that labeling and just growing the grapes like that, but don't know how to fucking make wine. And I think it's um, it's like kind of what organic was back in the days. Like, oh, well, our food's organic or farm to table. Right, right, oh, we right, can right, farm right. to table, so we can just serve whatever the fuck. And you know, <laughs> that's true. I don't know. I, yeah. I went on a long search. I found a couple natural wines that I really, really love, and I kind of stick to those. Sure. But man, the with their fucking kitschy little labels. With the I don't know. Lab- I, I'm over. <laughs> Well, I think it's interesting. This is, I mean, for a person who doesn't, who I'm assuming you never worked in or like worked in a restaurant or anything like that, or like, I don't know. I feel like we are kind of, Zara and I have been kind of submerged in that world for a little bit, but natural wine is, is you're right. Like basically meaningless in the way that organic is people. It's the same thing when like orange wine became popular. People were just like, I want orange wine. I don't know what it means, but I just want it. And it's sort of become kind of the thing that it, it's meaningless. It doesn't always equate to, like natural wine certainly doesn't mean 
good wine you still kind of have to like know about the terroir and like how it's grown and also right now wine is having a big come up it's anyway about its labor practices so i would say Mm. you know maybe i would partially agree with you about this i partially yeah i just got a shipment of of naturals in let me show you some of my favorites some big naturals you got some big that thick naturals naturals. oh you're leaving your hotel room i'm calling the cops just kidding don't call the cops ever (laughs) <laughs> okay, okay, I'm back, I'm back, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine, what you got? Okay, I have, this is this is probably my fave. Oh, this I can't is... see it. Oh, oh that's a this. classic. Oh, that's fancy, yeah. gorgeous, I love it. Love yeah, it. It's delightful, it's the Morgon mm-hmm. by, uh, what's his name? What's the guy's name? That's Matt the same Pierce guy song? who does that, um... Marcel Lapierre, that's it. Yeah, yes, that's very good. So good. Um, so this nice. one is actually my buddy's winery. Oh, in... snap in Patagonia. Um, it's called Chakra. Oh, cool. Oh. I've never had that. I'm not familiar with it either. So oh, Chakra, so it's, uh, this <laughs> is an, it's a natural, and mm. this is by my buddy Piero, who is the grandson of the Sasakaya uh, clan in Italy. Whoa, whoa. Cool. And he went to Patagonia and started making these wines, and they are so delicious. I think this one just got a hundred points from one of those fucking things. Oh, but, wow. Um, Wine folly or something? I think That's James awesome. Suckling or something. Anyway, <laughs> it's natural. I love it. Yeah. This one I've never had before, so I don't know. Maybe you can... Uh, some, do you know this I've one? I've never had that either. No, oh, I've had that one. From? That's good. It's good. I don't know. I mean, I haven't had that vintage, obviously, but we used to have that at Diner, I believe. Oh. When I cool. worked there. Yum. Yeah, Oh, my I God. I like... love Diner. Did you work there? I did. I worked there for a couple of years, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I love the manager. steak there. The steak was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they have they have delicious stuff. Um, I yeah, think I, I had kinda... a was did you guys were you guys the ones who had the uh, Winnebago on the back? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. I went to a birthday party there once. Yeah, those are really cute, adorable birthday parties. Yeah. Very cute. Um, all right, guys. Well, what do you, do you have any other any other things you want to mention? Well, I have a couple predictions for what the next food trends. Yes. Be. What okay. are they? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. I think that biltong is gonna be is gonna be a huge thing. Tell us why. What and is? Well, what? tell us. Tell the audience what that is. So biltong is a South African um, beef jerky that is air dried rather than um, basically cured, uh, and it is soft and chewy and moist and delightful and i've never been a beef jerky guy but once you have this you're gonna be like oh i this is why i haven't been a beef jerky guy this is what i've been looking for it's It's like like less chewy it's what less chewy then no it's chewy and like a but it's like tender chewy okay but it's moist almost like it doesn't feel like a dry jerky like like a tree bark sure Um, it is so delightful, and I really hope it, it starts to 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 get big. Uh, next up is raclette, which I think <laughs> I think raclette should maybe take over fondue's top spot. Uh, that's amazing. Raclette is um, from the seventies. Like that was very popular in the seventies. It was along actually, with fondue, honestly. When yeah. you were talking, you emailed us that you were going to talk about raclette, so I actually want to just interject here for a second. Yeah, I was like, Zara, look up New York Times raclette and see what comes up, and she I, found... <laughs> I have to just read you this quick thing. This is from 1976, and it's about <laughs> raclette. I so love it. technology has advanced since then, so hopefully it'll be a lot easier to do raclette at home. 
Oh yeah, Rack- Rackled Technology <clears throat> is on it. I think Elon Musk has invent- invested some money. <laughs> yeah. You can make it in Rackled the Tesla. Technology. You just put so that shit in the Rackled center console. On Mars. Yeah. <laughs> Rackled on Mars. Okay. The first food that we eat on Mars. Here are several methods for preparing raclette. This is from the failing New York Times, 1976. Uh, wood fire. Prepare a modest-sized wood fire of, cons- <laughs> of considerable intensity. In your wood-burning it- fireplace in your classic oh six God. on the Upper West Side. And let it burn down. Uh, let the flames burn down to hot coals. Place half or quarter wheel of the cheese. Meanwhile, this you're going to have to have like $500 to make this. <laughs> on a small elevated platform so that the cut side is close and facing the heat. As the cheese is melted onto the hot surface, uh, scrape it onto a plate. Repeat until all appetites are satisfied. Okay. Or you can do it in your home oven by preheating the oven to 500 degrees. Have ready numerous individual small heat-proof serving dishes or casseroles. Keep them piping hot and oven ready. Have slices of raclette cheese cut into squares about half inch thick or less. Fit neatly into each serving dish. Arrange one slice of cheese in any given number of dishes and place them in the oven. Bake until the cheese is piping hot. Serve immediately. Continue piping hot as as long as desired. (laughs) It's dangerous. Anyway, I just thought it was funny when you build a fucking fire in your house, but... What temperature is piping hot? Over a thousand degrees. Yeah. Kelvin. It's in Kelvin. Yeah. Yeah. Boiling. Cook until boiling lava hot. Mm. So raclette. That's weird. But I, so, so, so for the listeners who don't know what raclette is, it's basically you're taking this raclette cheese, uh, which is like a funky cow's milk cheese and you're Mm -hmm. melting it and you're putting it on top of boiled potatoes, which sounds simple. But it is very delicious. There's actually a place in the city, in the East Village, I believe, that is like just a raclette restaurant. And it's more just like a front for like just making Instagram videos. Like everyone's because they bring the wheel to your table and they They shave shave it it off and everyone does the fucking slow motion video of it. Right. Is that the restaurant Um, called Raclette? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They roast their potatoes, which I'm I'm mad at. I I think it's actually pretty delicious. Um. Anyway, raclette, I think, needs a moment. Okay, this, I think, could, could take over the, the cupcake, the the next dessert trend after the cupcake. Yeah. I think someone needs to do, and if you guys want to do this, I'll fucking, we'll all do it together. Oh, my God. Art, some sort of, like, Tiramisu? artisanal <laughs> rugula. Amazing. You know, I have a okay. friend who has a fucking rugula, little small rugula business. She does. She, I'm going to shout her out now. She's called Gourmel. She does it out of her apartment on the Upper West Side, but I'm oh. also mad into rugula. Yeah, it's really? delicious. Oh, yeah. I can get you her recipe. She makes a fucking delicious rugula. Wait, why are you not? You're not into rugula, you said? Me? Yeah, you, no, you I got a problem it. with rugula in here? What are you, an anti No, oh, I'm sorry. Mean, I'm sorry. I, I thought you said you don't like rugula. Yeah. Moi? Wait, no, so- I love it. What are the fillings? Does she use like cool, like interesting fillings? Because yeah, normally she does rugula... all kind. Listen really? to this shit. She does a savory rugula. She does like mm. an everything bagel rugula with mm. like, cream cheese and everything bagel spices. It's delicious. That's wild. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think Michael Salamanov was kind of flirting with them, but he didn't. He didn't. He didn't build it out the way that I'm picturing it in my mind. <laughs> yeah, a real rugulary. I yeah. feel like if they could be bigger, that would be cool, you know? Ooh, the croissant <laughs> size. That's so much calories. Like <laughs> a croissant. They weigh like 15 pounds. <laughs> oh, so like American the Cinnabon, 
so American. You're just going to want to make all the rugolas until we run out of rugolas. Until we run out of rugolas. I just, you know, as an American, I like to eat things that have a lot of heft, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, same. Like Cinnabon. Those are all, like, amazing food. Yeah, that would be very chill if we got... I think got... that'd be cool. Yeah, rugula is delicious. I... Okay, what do you guys think about cherimoya, the fruit? I have no... Exp- I know almost nothing about it. Oh, I think it might it... be an L.A. thing. Okay, I take it Yeah, back. it's not really here, it but it sounds cool. I've never... I don't think I've had it Put either. us on to it. What's up with it? Okay, so it's like a... The best way to describe it, I think, is, like, it's like a mild durian. So hmm. if you've ever had durian, it's like very stinky, but it has that fun texture. This is like sweet and it has like this kind of brie cheese texture to it. Okay. Um, it, it, it looks like kind of a prehistoric pear. Like it looks like it's like a prehistoric apple. Like it's got like little um, scaly things on it. It's Oh, I've seen this on the internet, like on Instagram. But how is it's it on usually... the internet? It is on the internet. How yes, is it yes, usually yes. served? So you just chop into it. You just, it's got a hard <laughs> exterior and soft interior. So you just basically take, just it's like, like a big, it's like a big just lychee. Just like Nicole. It's like a huge lychee. And yes. you just kind of take that exterior off and, and you, you just go get into okay, it. Okay, that know. sounds that's, interesting. That might be, that, that might yeah. be like a, that's, that's, that's a money ball one. That might be on the outskirts. I don't Maybe know it's on its way it. over here from the West Coast. It just takes time to cross the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Especially now with the flights. Yeah, the you can't corona. get on a plane. Tremoya. Totally. Um, yeah, I'm not, that's you... my biggest problem with the, the with the pandemic is I can't get my Tremora. My Tremora fix. <laughs> my Tremora. My Tremora. No. No. I also um, love, I, and I hope this this is my last one. Yeah, and yeah. This one's, this one's out of left field. It better but, be. Like, no, I kidding. feel like... I feel like once people try it, whenever you try it, oh my God, this is great. I need this. There's a uh, cold smashed cucumber salad on a lot of like Chinese menus in, mm-hmm. uh, in, ca- in, I don't know, maybe it's just an LA thing, but it's No, like, that's definitely coast to coast. Yeah. It is, huh? Wall to wall carpeting. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I think I might've had it in that, what's that kind of hipster Chinese place in Williamsburg? Kings County mm-hmm. Imperial? No. I remember. Sea Thai. Uh, just kidding. That's that's a, a forgotten trend, actually, in itself. Do you guys it's remember It's still there, C-tai? though. Sea Thai is still open. It is? Dan, yeah. did you ever go to Sea Thai? It was yes. like... It, yeah, it was like... It had it, swings and shit. Yeah, it was yeah. like... That was in Sex in the City as well, and Garden State, and like every kiddo who moved here, like when we were like 18 or whatever, 20, like, let's go to Sea. It was like the first like chill restaurant in Brooklyn, and it was so <laughs> but sweet. But it's so, so stupid. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Mad sweet. Very sweet. Uh, um, well, amazing. Those are amazing, Dan's hot takes, guys. Those amazing hot, hot takes. takes, Dan. Well, I kind of went the way in my story today. It's going to be short because we're running out of time. But I want to talk about something that is a lost trend that I still like and I wish would come back, but was what hit mad hard, let's <laughs> say, from like the year 1920 to like 1960. 68 everyone was all in it was mounting it really like took flight in the 50s and 60s i'm talking about tiki tiki mm. wow 1968 is very specific year that's the end that's the year that tiki died <clears throat> pretty much because people got real tired of it uh, <laughs> as as the vietnam war little little war i don't know if you ever heard of it 
people started getting sick of it then. But I'm going to get into that in just a moment. So I got my information today from a Wired article called The Bizarre Rise and Fall of the Tiki Bar by Joseph Flattery and Carrying a Torch for Poo Poo Platters by Deborah S. Hartz in the Chicago Tribune. So anyway, <laughs> Carrying a Torch for Poo Poo Platters is the best <laughs> title of an article I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> it's the name of my autobiography. Um, so in the Pacific Islands and in Hawaii and in the South Pacific, there was a lot of like ancestor worship. Uh, it was like the prominent form of religion. And the tiki was a half man, half God figure that um, filled the role of first man, like basically like Adam or our producer, Matt, as we were talking about before. <laughs> <laughs> and they carved all the religious totems were called tikis. So... Then as, uh, as different um, explorers started to explore the South Pacific region, um, and they would, like, bring that back uh, to, to England, and people started getting, like, a little bit exposed to that then. And then the first guy who sailed over there made the first European visit ever to the island group. It was Captain Cook. And he named the Sandwich Island. He named the islands over there the Sandwich Islands after the Earl of Sandwich. <laughs> I love the Earl of Sandwich. I know yeah. it's very funny because we just picture a big man that looks like a sandwich, but um, no. And then I this inspired. A great guy. So that's in like the 1700s. Then shoot up like a hundred years. This inspires um, writers like Herman Melville and Jack London in the 20s, and then that inspires Hollywood. So that inspires movies like uh, or movies and plays like South Pacific. Then uh, that inspires uh, like Gilligan's Island and Blue Hawaii. And then also before that, in, in World War II, more American military starts going to like Hawaii and the South Pacific. So people are becoming like steadily interested in South Pacific culture. Do you guys see what you picking up when I'm putting down? You smell what the rock is cooking here? Yes. South Pacific okay. is one of like the worst musicals, right? Because it's so racist. I've never seen it. I it's can pretty. Imagine. It is. I saw it with my mom. Okay. <laughs> Sounds terrible. So then enter Don the Beachcomber. Ever heard of him? No. Don Draper? Don, Don, his name was actually Don Beach, but he was born Ernest Raymond Beaumont Gnat. Gnat? Gnat? I wonder if the G is silent. Uh, anyway, he's born in 1907. He was an American adventurer and businessman, and he was a World War II vet, and he was the founding father of tiki culture. So he, like, basically goes and travels all around like Southeast Asia and he's in the war and then he comes back and he opens this restaurant in Hollywood called Don the Beachcomber. Okay. And so he popularizes during like the 40s. Is the that still there? Tiki culture. Yes. And he invents. No, it's not anymore. They Then he opened a chain of them and they're all closed now. Oh, well, I was asking um, the guy who lives in L.A., but it's fine that you answered. It's oh, that's fine. I'll answer. For, I'll be taking all the questions for Dan from now yeah, on. For don't let our guest speak for the just, rest of the show. Please I'm, getting, I'm getting Zara splained over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So then... Um, his empire spread and copycats emerged. So also in 1934, which was the year the first beachcombers opened in Hollywood, Victor Bergen opened a hunting camp style bar called Hanky Danks in Oakland, California. But he saw how popular down the beachcomber was. And so he replaced all the wooden and stuffed deers and snowshoes and stuff. There was a restaurant with uh, Tiki and Hula Girls and named deers? his restaurant Trader Vic's. Oh, oh that's wow. Trader Vic's. Wow. What do mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, and by the 1960s, it was like kind of going out of out of style. Um, 
like by the late 60s but in the early 60s everyone I guess wanted to like live in a, a like apartment compound that was like Tahitian so they would name things like Tahitian there's a lot of like rattan furniture there was a lot of like all that kind of very like wooden yeah. tropical looking stuff sure so then I want to tell you guys a little bit about something called the poo poo platter are you ready which for this? needs a rebrand just the name needed a rebrand poo it's no what good what the hell it's hard to... I was giggling to myself while I was doing this research because poo-poo is funny, you know, at, at any age, really. Um, a poo-poo platter, according to wikipedia.com, is a tray of American or Chinese Hawaiian food consisting of an assortment of meat and seafood appetizers. A typical poo-poo platter will contain an egg roll, spare ribs, chicken wings, chicken fingers, beef teriyaki, skewered beef, fried wontons, crab rangoon, fried shrimp, and other things surrounding a little tiny hibachi grill. <laughs> now, is any of that stuff raw? Why do you need the hibachi grill? Does it keep it warm? I have no idea. But recently, Nicole and I went with some friends to like a kind of tiki place in like some random part of New Jersey with our friend who lives near there. And we got a poo-poo platter. And it came down with the fire in the middle. And I went to go grill my egg roll because why not? And our friend was like, don't do that. That's like poisonous chemicals. Just like <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to cook over that open flame. Apparently, <laughs> fucking trick. Um, okay, so I also want to tell you about one more. And according to Urban Dictionary, a poo poo platter um, is a term used to describe a form of oral sex on a female where one her partner eats her out and then switches between licking her butt crack and her vagina across between eating pussy and tossing salad. So you just want to be careful when you order a poo-poo platter that you know which one of these poo-poo platters you're ordering. By I just way. feel like if you're eating, <laughs> if you're tossing someone's salad, you're also going to be in, there doesn't have to be a distinction between eating pussy and tossing a salad. I feel like they're going to be like, you know. Yeah, like, as for the poo-poo like platter, this. you better get it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> also, by the way, that sounds so much more like a poo-poo platter than the actual food, the poo-poo platter. <laughs> right? Uh, True. Yeah. That is, that's, yeah. So now we know why that's called that, I guess. I also, guess. thank God for Urban Dictionary. Where would we you're, be without it? You're like in Wait, bed but with like, someone. What does poop? What does poo poo mean in like? Poo poo just means. Whatever. I thought you'd never ask. Um, a poo poo is just like. <laughs> I lost my seriousness. This is a twelve year old boy humor. We love it, guys. Okay, a poo poo is really just like a small. In Hawaiian, it translates to like a tiny little appetizer. Oh. Small. Wait, yeah. do you not feel like you should have told us that before you told us that in Urban Dictionary it means eating asshole and pussy <laughs> and switching between the two? Listen, this is, if you, when we come on your show, you can tell us how to arrange the story. Yeah, um, yeah. But in Hawaii, uh, they call like an establishment that serves, um, certain places serve big poo-poos, otherwise known as heavy poo-poos. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> that will often have a buffet table with warming trays full of chicken, tempura, vegetables, and shrimp. And then they also have other establishments that are separate, and they serve light poo-poos. No. Which are usually no. cold, like sushi and poke. I'm so grossed out. This I, cannot be believed. <laughs> so you have to order a heavy or a light poo-poo from your server? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, no. Listen, no, you don't have to No, no. Poo-poo. You have no, to no. go to the place when you know you want a heavy poo-poo or a light poo-poo. It depends and, on the day, and every day yes. is different. And I'm just going to point to it on the menu. I'm not going to say it. If you don't want any fried foods on your poo-poo, you get, you get a soft poo-poo platter. No! Yes, exactly. that's what they... 
guys. I knew I could bring this back. I know that like uh, I stumble over the history sometimes, but I knew I could get you back when we started talking about poo poo. Yeah, so, I was really falling uh, asleep earlier, but now I'm riveted. It was boring, I admit. I had practiced <laughs> it. It was much better, and then you know. Just, By the way, they should just—they should just do the same thing that they do for faux and be like, "Oh no, it's not poo poo. It's papa." Papa. It's pronounced papa. Mm. But no, they fucking lean into poo-poo. Yeah, they're like, oh, more poo-poo for you and your friends? More blazing hot poo-poo with fire? <laughs> Steaming hot poo-poo? No, <sighs> this is wrong. And also anti-intellectual. I'm leaving. <laughs> it's funny, though. But when people don't really dig on a poo-poo plattering. But people aren't eating poo-poo like they used to. I mean, can we? Yeah, more people need to talk about eating poo-poo and stop talking about eating ass all the time, I think. You know, let's That's shift the true. conversation. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And we got to get it straight because there's nothing worse than going home with somebody and you're like, give me that poo-poo platter. And they come back with a bunch of fucking crab rangoon. Then you know they go right. and they get on the phone to the Chinese food delivery place. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's very silly. I mean, it's kind of win-win. Damn, you're right. You're absolutely right. No one's going to be like, ah, well, this is fine too. <laughs> Did you turn off all the lights in your hotel room to listen to this portion of the the podcast? Hey, this you got to get in the mood when you start talking about talking about poo-poo. <laughs> you got to get in the mood. That's funny. Um, guys, what are your top three uh, favorite forgotten food trends, like the things that like you love and are are of yesteryear. Hmm. I like casseroles. Oh yeah, tuna, like tuna casserole. Sure. Perfect for a hot summer August afternoon. Um, <laughs> I also love egg salad, which you know never went away, but it's not really like you don't see it around. It's unpopular. Would you In order the- it on a first date? An egg salad, like at, yeah. for dinner. I don't sure. think if it has a dinner food, unless I'm making it for myself. If I had like some sort of like '90s date where you go out to lunch instead of mm. to dinner, then sure, mm. I would order. Wait, do you go on theme dates often? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's really weird to go to lunch for a first date. I feel like because, but they did it all the time in the '90s, according to f- major motion pictures that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, oh, very okay, terms of endearment. Um, and. Yeah, I guess that's all I can think of right now. I can't think of anything else. Oh, mm. okay. Great. Dan, do you have any? You know, I think this is just because my mom used to make her bootleg Persian mom version of this, and it probably is not how it should be, but I loved it. Chicken marsala. Mm. Fun. Oh, delicious. Yeah. Love Fun. chicken marsala. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, add on to that for you. How does everyone feel about a portobello mushroom, which has also been extinct from overeating? <laughs> Yeah, wow. they, <laughs> I don't. I feel like I don't want to eat a portobello mushroom. The baby portobello ones are okay, but those huge, giant ones that they, you know, just like the mama. or like the one they have at Shake Shack that's stuffed with cheese. No, thank you. No, thank you. I don't Do know. I like can get portobello? down with it. I think I can get down with it. I mean, I I don't think I'd ever order it, but if it was there, I'd be like, oh, all right, sure, <laughs> kind of sure. like, be like, yeah. I don't know. I could, I could sort. It's like the white pizza of the mushroom. Sure, totally. (laughs) Sure, sure. You're like I love on a a date. You're like I'll have the ribeye and for the lady the portobello mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, do portobellos actually come that size, or did they just fucking like pump them full of steroids and be like they come that size? No, they have to glue a bunch of small ones together for each portobello. It's very That's why they're so juicy in the middle, because of all the glue that comes out. (laughs) Hot glue. Mine are, I have three. 
Wait, you, he only Dan only had one. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were. Go ahead, Dan. No, what I other think foods I, do you? Why love? don't you go and I'll keep thinking if if another one comes Great. up. Okay. Um. Perfect. I thought you'd never ask. Um. <laughs> I love wraps. You do not you see do wraps that wrap. much anymore. At least over I, here on the East Coast. Okay. What, I think wait. We're you can disagree. combine your two favorite you loves: wraps? a sun-dried tomato wrap. You guys. <laughs> yeah. So fuck that. You hate wraps? What's your beef with wraps? Hmm? Okay, here's the thing. The last couple times I've had a wrap has been like on a flight. You know, like mm. Delta will have those like the box with the thing. And mm. the wrap is always like, it's always wet in there and the, it gets soggy. <laughs> yeah. It's a soggy fucking, like it's a soggy salad with, yeah, like, yeah. with like a shitty like wet tortilla. And I'm like, this is, this is awful. I hate yeah, it. Yeah, cold yeah. wet tortilla is a very unpleasant specific taste texture combo that's not it, very it nice. Is. It's like it turns into a paste. Yeah, pasty. That little part in the corner where it gets wet, it's like turns yeah. into like a pasty mush. It doesn't Maybe really absorb. Wrap. It doesn't absorb mm. the water the way that bread does. So it just kind of like puddles in there, and then it's just damp. It's like damp. It is awfully damp. Yeah, I <laughs> fuck it. I still love a wrap. Okay, um, it's your I don't eat. I go. You got a fresh wrap though. You can't be wrap. You can't get a wrap on a, on a plane. Yeah, I wouldn't Forget use the plain, plain food to judge other foods outside. Yeah, don't know plain wraps. Listen, I got a wrap the other day at a deli in Long Island, a proper like shitty Long Island deli. Turkey, mm. coleslaw, cheddar cheese, Russian dressing, and and mustard <laughs> on a wrap. I, I loved it. It, it was good. It was great, and I didn't sink in the pool because I didn't have all that excess. Are you sick and tired of sinking into a pool after you eat a deli sandwich? Try wraps. Hey, we're, we're short on time. What else do you got? Come on. I work for Big Wrap. I'm sorry. Uh, mango salsa? Anyone? No, oh, thanks. Yeah, sure. What up, Bobby Flay? And also this one, Vidalia onions. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. God bless them. <laughs> the much maligned Vidalia onion. Like Vidalia onions and wait, are Vidalias the tiny teeny ones? Yes, but in the 90s, at least where I grew up, well, when we grew up in the same place, and I think we're probably about the same age. So Vidalia onions that I remember were very popular and there was like Vidalia onion dressing everywhere and you'd like go out and be like, you go to Chili's and be like, try our new like char grill, like Vidalia onion barbecue sauce. Like it was fucking everywhere, but I loved it. Paul Newman makes a Vidalia onion dressing present day. God bless him. Just to bring it all back to the beginning. Yeah, you really brought it all back. Wow. When we started this podcast six hours ago. <laughs> it's pitch dark where you are. It oh, seems- I'm sorry we're excited about talking about this stuff. Jeez. <laughs> this was a fun episode, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, well, I'm not done yet. I have a couple more things oh. I'd like oh, to talk please. about. Yeah, no, go Let's ahead. keep it going forever. Come Good on. Thing no, no one has I'm just any bird to be. Listen, guys, I got to get so out of here. Fun. I gotta get out of here and go get a poo-poo platter. You know yeah. what I mean and you I, think you do. Guys, Tucker Carlson is starting soon. We gotta go. <laughs> and... I always just tape, I tape him with a video, like a VCR tape. He's a fucking poo-poo platter if I've ever seen that. <laughs> right, ladies? Uh, yeah. In a bad way, though. No what offense a fucking to nerd. Um, Wait, if you could get world peace by having Tucker Carlson give you a poo-poo platter, would you do it? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I would do that for my country, for God and country. I would do it anyway. Quarantine's been long. I haven't had any action yeah. in a long what's time. The, <laughs> what's, what is the smallest amount of stuff that you, like, to have Tucker Carlson give you a poo-poo wrap, a poo-poo platter? Like, would you do it for, like, a wrap? Would you do it for... No! I would do it for $500. I would do it for <laughs> world peace. 
And I would do it for a couple mil, a cool mil. A cool mil. All right. Well, Tucker, if you're listening. Yeah, friend um, of the pod, Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Give us a <laughs> friend give of the us podcast, a ring. America's sweetheart, Tucker Carlson. I would do it if he would just let me unwrap that bow tie. Oh. Oh, really? I'm going to throw up. I'm sick. <laughs> I feel sick. You've been kidding about this. I, there would be nothing that could make me get a poo-poo platter or any other sex act or food oh, from Tucker Carlson. What's the, yours? How did, pla- how did the poo-poo platter last for so long with that name? I'm so angry at it. I'm, I'm having Because really- people back then were very serious and they didn't laugh at jokes, like children's jokes. They only yeah, laughed also, at serious. I also have a weird, like, I wish I wasn't, but I have like a visceral, like, I can't do like scatological humor while I'm eating. I hate oh, it. oh! You, you start to bomb. I get, I get the groceries. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, so you've never even had a poo poo platter either. I, kind. Ha- I do, but I never. I mean, I can't enjoy it 100. percent You can't name. say it. Can't. You just, you just point to it on the menu instead of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what? Just, you want orange chicken? You're like, no. <laughs> no, above, like, <laughs> above that, right above that. Above it, go up. Oh, like yeah. Maine? No, well, not right, right below it. Like just in the middle. <laughs> You don't have to just bring it. You don't have to say it. Yeah, cream of some young guy. You're like, no, the poo-poo pie. The number 312. <gasps> Amazing. Oh, you Do want you me to lick your asshole and your pussy? Okay, God. <laughs> yes. What kind of brothel is this? Why do you have all this food on your why do you brothel have, Why do you have lo mein at this brothel? It's like the least sexy food. <laughs> yeah. yeah, lo mein is like the one of the one of the least. What's like your worst first date food? Like if you're going on a first date with someone and you had to order something, like what would be the worst thing? You I think ramen is probably if you're if you're slurping that shit up. No, yeah. it's really hard. It's really hard to eat banh mi and look attractive because it's so messy. <laughs> I feel like a sloppy joe is bad. <laughs> what kind of date? Where do they serve sloppy joes in restaurants? That's a good question. I feel like we must have done it at Bruce. Yeah, Hill's where are point. you going on dates? My fucking middle school cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Zing. <laughs> yeah, that's where I go. I go to your middle school cafeteria. It's amazing there. There's nobody there now. Yeah, I'll no, schools are back open. Schools are back open, Zara, so you can get out there. Get out there, girl. Chill, yeah. chill, chill. Um, Dan, this was awesome. It was really fun. Thanks for joining us. Can you tell everybody where they can like follow you? And I don't mean on the internet. I mean like where are you right now and how could they follow you around? Uh, what are the directions to your hotel? Park- I'm in I'm in the parking lot of Roosevelt Field Mall at a <laughs> hotel. Um I am on on the Instagram and the Twitter at Stand Up Dan and my podcast is Green Eggs and Dan. And uh, you can you can listen to it anywhere. I interview celebrities, and we start by looking at an actual picture of the inside of their fridge and going through that. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Cool. We've I've listened to a bunch of episodes, and it's very funny. Thanks. Yeah, but they yeah. know that you're going to take the picture, so that's not like the real inside of their fridge, right? No, no, you they, don't like yeah, you don't like surprise them in the middle of the night and then take a picture of their <laughs> fridge. <laughs> I you know I tell them like don't. Don't doctor up your fridge. Just send it the way it is. And some of them sent it to me, and I'm like, man, how could you send? How could you have not doctored this? A little <laughs> <laughs> they have like three different mustards, and nothing else is in there. Who yeah. had the most? Who had the grossest fridge? Actually, I think the saddest fridge was <laughs> the chef of Estella, Ignacio Matos. It was like literally like a half, like a like a half an avocado that was like rotten and like. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't chefs know, like don't have a lot of time to cook at the house. They're always cooking at work. So 
person. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, like when before coronavirus happened, like I would never have anything in my fridge. It was like the saddest, loneliest fridge. And people like think you're a chef and you're gonna come over and it's gonna be beautiful and bountiful. But like, I don't right, know. Right, I, right? I never would cook for myself. So that's not surprising. Anyway, cool. Well, yeah. we are definitely everybody listen to Dan's podcast. And when is the show coming out on Netflix? Um, it is hopefully if we can actually shoot it in Corona times, uh, it'll hopefully come out in the beginning of 2021. Cool. Exciting. That's really cool. Thank you for joining us today. It was super fun. Thank you so much guys. I really appreciate it. This was so much fun. It's always, it's always, this is going to sound cheesy, but it's always very fun to talk to people who have as much like food obsession and neuroses as you do. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Same Z. Agreed. Yes. Thanks for joining us, dude. We'll talk to you later. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.